Welcome to the Union Fitness Podcast with your host, Charles Jasper and The Hammer. The Hammer. With one M. With one M. I will tell that story one day today, Charles Jasper. Oh, by the way, I'm sorry, with our lovely host over here, Josh Alsat, doing his thing. Looking 70s today on us. I like it. I like the look today. Um, Today, Charles, we have a near and dear friend to our, near and dear to our heart. Not only our hearts. Simone Marin. Is that how you say your last name? Yeah. You didn't know that? Mm-mm. Well, she was near and dear here because she came here to compete. And um, we're going to say it right now. She got robbed on her squats. Highway robbery. Uh, it was it was terrible. I mean, the squats were deep enough. Uh, we're going to talk to Doug when we see him this next weekend yeah. and be like, hey, your, your judge just robbed Simone on her squats. But... Whatever, she's still doing Squattober. She's working off at 38% of her one rep max, I believe. Yeah, she hasn't worn a belt all season. She's been soft and hiding from it the whole time. Yeah, or she's uh, just super strong. Yeah, well, no, no, soft. Big brace. Soft, soft. I think she's wearing squat gear. But today we got Simon on. I'm going to let her tell her story. But quick synopsis. Springfield College University A&T alum. Master, she made a face when I said it's just Springfield. Just Springfield, I made that up. Um, Springfield alum, bachelor's and masters worked at UConn, worked at Springfield, worked at Quinnipiac, worked at Kansas, worked at the George Washington University for the Todd Hammer. Yurt, uh, yurt, no T at the end, and has returned to Quinnipiac to work for B, the man, the myth, legend there, um, back in her home state of pathetic, I mean, Connecticut, shipping off to boston um and we're gonna uh go ahead and introduce her simone or as we like to call you right here simon welcome to the big show Tony simone's here thank you good to be here are you gonna tell us comedy because you're in front of a brick wall is this your jerry whatever yes um, that's the goal here's the the punch where where are you this is my apartment i have a nice accent wall wow Mm. it's probably a lot cheaper than dc i bet Yes, it is. Nice. So, Simone, tell us, what do you do? How'd you get there? Tell us about yourself a little bit. Good question. Uh, you kind of... Hold on. on. How egotistical are you to say good question? Let me talk about me. Can you let her answer the first <laughs> question? You, you talk to that. You talk to that. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I mean, you already kind of hit on the main stuff, but uh, I started my career at Springfield College, did both degrees there. Through that, I had a lot of opportunities to do a couple different internships. Uh, where I started at Quinnipiac, the very first actual college internship with Coach B. So he had me when I was very green, had no idea what I was doing, but I survived. Uh, From there, I interned at the University of Kansas. Then I interned at UConn. And then Kansas actually asked me to come back for a a part-time type of gig for a few months. So I did that. And then the G-Dub job opened up. And I had always wanted to go into the basketball world. So... I jumped on that opportunity, and then I was uh, with the, the myth. Mythical. He is a myth. He's not, 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 not just a myth. Just like the Loch Ness Monster, he's only been seen a few times. I can't gas you up too much, so I no. kind of... Uh, well, you up. can. It's totally acceptable. So let's roll back real quick. Hold on. Okay. Yeah, it's my turn, oh, old man. Uh, let's roll back real quick. Wait, why does Josh give a thumbs up when he speaks? Well, because this is the only time I can get it. i got to dive right in. you got to take a step back, because not too many people know about UConn and Kansas and the OG strength stuff there. Basketball is like no joke. And you were in the trenches. So hype yourself up a little more. 
<laughs> I mean, I did get some really cool opportunities. I mean, at Kansas, I was helping Hootie out with men's basketball, so I was right there seeing everything, working with her. Um, at UConn, I only worked with women's basketball, which is pretty dope because they're pretty legit. So I was just with Amanda Kimball. With they basketball. go dancing a lot. They do go dancing a lot. So that was really cool to see them. Um, and then Jen Rosati at G-Dub is a UConn alum. So that was kind of a nice little connection when I, I went that way. Um, so yeah, I had a lot of really good basketball experience to get me geared up for the G-Dub job. And then now I'm back here in Connecticut, which is fun. It's cold. It's probably cold. It's getting cold. It's not bad yet. I don't love the cold, so I am a little bit nervous. They're laughing um, at me, but I went to Boston. I'm laughing for a multitude of reasons. One, because that's not a question, that's a statement. Two, because I know Simone well enough to know that Simone doesn't tan, but she's convinced she does. She looks so tan. every time it's above – no, she's embarrassed, so she's red. <laughs> every time it's above, like, 68 degrees out – she just lays out there trying to get tan and looks like a frying piece of bacon turning redder. Frank the Lobster. Yeah, and and uh, so she's like, "Oh, it's it's six, it's it's seventy one degrees. I'm going outside to lay there, hammer." And I'm like, "You're you're not tanning, Simone." So. Oh, what did I teach you? You have to look at the UV index. If the UV index is at eight, you got to get out there. You got to get you out know there. Josh, Josh was unaware of UV index. We live in Pittsburgh. Break it down. We have poor air quality. The and- home of clouds. The only index we know is seven, and it's Ben Rosselberger. If you are particularly pale and you're listening to this, maybe put some sunscreen on if it is an eight or above. Yeah. uh, For the record, for all the listeners, I once used sunscreen, once. And it was a terrible day because I didn't get any sun that day, so I will never wear it again. Mm. I'm lucky with that. So tell us about now. You you were at G-Dub with me there. We were together for uh, – I was there a little over a year with you. You hung out another year after I left, but we're so heartbroken that I left. You had to leave, and that's – Whoa, kitty. Cats make an appearance. Um, uh, so you get the call to return to Quinnipiac. Uh, so what are you doing there now? Tell us about your gig you got going on. Yeah, so B kind of called me up. He had an opportunity for another full-time position. Um, the opportunity to move home was uh, exciting, um, just to be family and things like that. And then at Quinnipiac, I am working with eight of the different teams right now, mostly field sports. Uh, so it's a little bit different than what I was used to. Uh, be even asked when I was heading out this way, he's like, you know, you're not going to have basketball. Like, are you okay with that? And uh, obviously I said yes. And I, I've gotten to a point, I think, in my career where uh, helping any athlete is really exciting and, and good to see their progress so to me i'm no longer necessarily tied to a sport um i just want to help athletes get better so now i have a, a wide range of athletes and i get to do that every day so um yeah right now i'm working with both lacrosses both soccers field hockey volleyball softball rugby i'm missing one wait you guys have rugby we do we have division one rugby whoa i didn't know that was a thing me neither club only there for a bit and now i do um, but they're really fun to work with, and they get after in the weight room, so it's really fun. Uh, when I got to G-Dub, I didn't know squash was a thing in college athletics, but exactly. it was better than one of the administrators who, when he first got hired, asked where the football field was. Dun-dun-dun. That happened. Fun fact, as Hammer would say, there's no football field there. There's no football field. And there's no football team. There was a football team, and they won bowl games in the past. When? In like the 30s? Like the 50s or something. Yeah. Uh, JFK time. 
long, many moons ago, as they say. So, Phony Simone, how are you training these kids? Like, what's your what's your idea? Like, what's your progression coming in new? Especially with this weird time, like, has a lot changed? You still stay in the course of what you've done before? Uh, things have changed mostly because of COVID uh, regulations. Right now, we're doing. All the teams are in different like pods. So say mental process broken up into two pods. So those pods train together all day, but they don't see the other pod. So that way, like if somebody gets sick, only half the team is wiped out, not the whole team. <laughs> yeah. It's a terrible uh, way to describe it. <laughs> I mean, it's better than knocking everybody out. So with that system, then um, I have slightly smaller groups, but I have, more, have groups more often. Um, and then Right now, I'm running not necessarily a circuit, but everything's on the clock yeah. so that they have X amount of time at a certain station with whatever equipment, and then we rotate. We They have like a minute to clean it down and rotate. So the, the actual training, slightly different from a structure standpoint, content, um, still pretty much the same. I mean, I think it's really important to move in different motion, different planes of direction, get some push and pull, upper and lower, pretty basic stuff. Um, they had not been training until I got there because there's nobody to train them. Oh man, so, you got a bunch of wet noodles. Yeah, so we're kind of starting at ground zero considering they had six months off for COVID and then came back and they were playing their sport but not really training. So now you know we're starting from ground zero. So, um, And then they're going back home over at Thanksgiving until January. So It's all it. over again. Okay, so I got to ask this. You went to Springfield. Springfield is respected as one of the, you know, probably – behind my alma mater, the second best school if you're going to be a strength coach. Um, Penn State's back there somewhere. CCBC? CCAC? Penn State. Nothing wrong with community college. (laughs) So, uh, and Virginia Commonwealth University. Um, So I have to ask this. You had the great Dr. Adam fight as a professor, mentor, if you will. Um, How much is... And we've talked about this, but how much has changed uh, you as a coach? Because I know with Adam, you know, he's very specific about I want to see the programming day in, day out, total volume, and everything laid out before you. But as a lifter, and I know you're a competitive lifter, but also as a coach, how has that changed as you've grown? I think there's just maybe different priorities as we're coaching and dealing with things like that. Obviously, you want to see some sort of progression. I'm getting my camera ready so I can get a picture of the cat when it appears again. Uh, you got to have your progressions, but I think you need to be realistic in seeing how the athlete or whoever you're training, how they're moving and how they are progressing individually. Like you can write out a full annual plan, but you're never going to actually do that because of the, either they're progressing faster, they're not progressing as fast. You don't have them as many times uh, as you thought in the weight room, things like that. So I think just being a little bit more realistic and not planning so far ahead, you can still have the end game goal in mind. Like, you know, we need to be peaking at this point or we're training for this specific game or whatever. We're going to train backwards from there. Like, that's fine. But being realistic in what specifically each training session looks like up until then, you're never going to be able to do that. You have to be more realistic in knowing that you're going to have to edit um, and change things up as you go. So I actually don't program too far out anymore like right now because of the weird time i programmed the six weeks i have them and then i'll program their time at home but realistically i won't program more than a semester long um just because of all that changing and in the past i definitely would try to like do the annual plan or do the semester and have everything 
to a T and you just kind of follow it out that way. And then I realized I was always doing this programming and then never following it because of all the changes. So it was a waste of time. How would Adam feel about that? Um, I just wanted to throw Adam in there. And I'm, I'm going to tag him on this so he has to watch it. Has to. I think he would appreciate the adaptability of a coach and the player-coach relationship you have to build to know how to trust and, and I will give – I actually went – you brought up exactly what I wanted to ask you. So you came into G-Dub. I didn't know you. It was a hire I made without actually knowing you well. You know, good references, good recommendations. And you – He called me and goes, hey, I can't hire you. <laughs> so guess who I'm hiring? That was pretty much how the conversation went. Um, and so uh, <laughs> I um, – you came in completely different – personality than myself and got great buy-in from your women's basketball team um what's your secret charm (laughs) that's a great question you i think you just need to get to know your athletes you got to figure out what makes them tick you know are they the type of athlete that you need to yell at them to get them to give you everything or uh do you need to kind of have them one-on-one and talk to them about the details and fix things like in a less um maybe aggressive environment or something um, so I really think it comes down to knowing each individual athlete and getting the most out of them that way. Um, if you train every single team like a football team, you're not going to hit every person. It's just not going to happen. Um, obviously, when you're working with a lot of athletes, it's hard to do that. So for me, I mean, it was easier when I had women's basketball and, like, two other teams at you know, Like, I had 12 athletes in the weight room at a time. Like, it's really easy to get to know them. Um, so here, you know, there is a little bit of challenge there. Uh, especially at the get-go since everybody's new at the same time. Um, but I do think you're going to get way more out of your athletes the more you get to know them outside of sport and outside of just, like, what their major is. Yeah. And who was your favorite athlete? Don't do that. <laughs> Come on, man, drop a name. You don't work with them anymore. I mean, if you don't say Sid, she might cut you. She um, might. With love. <laughs> if you don't say Maylin, she might find you. Right. Um, Kelsey won't do anything if you don't say her. Olivia might yell at me. Yeah, so I, you know, I'm hoping that you drop a name in there. We'll get one out of her or something. We will. All right. So I got one for you. Here's a loaded strength coach interview question that probably not a lot of uh, regular lifters or gym goers might know how to answer. So training a male athlete versus a women, woman's athlete. That's female. Female, woman's uh, person. Would you train them differently? How would you train them? Lay it on me. Like, I don't know what I'm talking about. Yes, you don't. The actual programming standpoint, I would train them the same. Uh, there, In my opinion, there's no exercise that a woman can't do, that a man can do, vice versa, things like that. Like, all exercise can be done. Um, from a specific what each athlete needs, there are certain exercises that typically females tend to need a little bit more of based on just – the way their body is built. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that that exercise can't be used for a male or a male doesn't need that exercise. So, again, the actual program could be exactly the same. Um, from a coaching perspective, I think uh, male athletes tend to get a little bit more distracted and take their time in the weight room. So I have to be on them a little bit more about, like, pace and, and moving around and picking up on the details and uh, making sure they're just, like, working through the actual workout at a reasonable pace. Um, and females tend to kind of fly through it. So sometimes I'm almost trying to slow them down and be like, 
don't need to sprint through the entire workout. So that's just kind of a subtle thing that I've noticed between the two. But from an actual programming standpoint, I don't think there's any real difference that needs to be done outside of figuring out what each individual needs. Nice. So you passed. Which, which would you rather train? Athens. I don't know. I would have a rather. I think they're just so different. I like training both. Because for a while there, I only had uh, female athletes at G-Dub, and that was kind of weird to me. Um, so I like having the change-up and the challenge of working with a lot of different people. You're so PC in your answers because the answers always train female athletes. They're easier to train. I'm sorry. You CJ. know, sometimes you got to crack two Red Bulls over your face and let the boys eat. So that, that, that That's kind of a true story. Yeah? We, we try not to talk about CJ's dark past at Moorhead State. I think the ladies would just look at me like I'm a weirdo if I did that one. So. <laughs> uh, it was... I, I, I really have no retort to his last statement. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. So you get into powerlifting. You did your first meet, right? Yeah. Tell, tell us. I, t- double question. Double two-parter here. One, how was it? Question two, inception. Yes. <laughs> One, how was it? Two, um, what did you learn as a coach through doing that? Great questions yet again. Oh, gas them up more. <laughs> Write that down, Josh. Uh, the meet was awesome. I had a great time. Um, it was, it is more of a supportive environment than I was expecting. I was expecting it to be a little bit more, I don't want to say competitive, but everyone just like wanted you to hit your numbers. No one was like, oh, I see so-and-so hitting that number. I got to try and hit this. It was just very like positive and like do the best you can and let's also each other do that. So I thought that was really um, powerful. And then for me, Numbers-wise, I did way better than I expected. Not on the squat. We can talk about that at a later date. Um, but bench did way better than I expected. And deadlift, I mean, it was like a 20-pound PR or something like that. Um, so that was really exciting. Hey, you didn't get buried. None, you didn't get buried in your squat, so it's all a win. You stood up. Yeah. It, you know? She got robbed on depth. Yeah. I'm going to keep saying it's a fact. I mean, listen, I, I love uh, the, the judges are nice people. But they all sometimes make a mistake. Outside, the floor is a little uneven, so perhaps at their angle, they were lower. Simone was Probably higher. The head judge gave her a red light on depth on one of them. The head judge don't give red lights. Every powerlifter knows that. But I'm sorry. So, what did you learn as a coach that will make you a better coach through competing in powerlifting? I think I've learned just from the whole process. I've learned a lot more about those lifts and like cues on how to help those lifts and make them a little bit more efficient thus getting more training out of an athlete doing bench press squat deadlift things like that um and then just again like the support so you know the environment that allowed everyone to be so successful on the platform is kind of the environment you need to have in a weight room like you need to find what's going to be a motivational tool to get each athlete to be successful not that they're not going to fail in the weight room however you know creating an environment where they feel like they can actually give you their all and do their best um, is something that we should try to create as a coach, especially on, you know, bigger days like knockout days and stuff like that. So you still squat your athletes? Yeah. I was going to fight you if you said no, because that would, that would That's... hurt my soul. I know. No, no. You know. Uh, so here's another interesting tidbit, if you will. Simone has stolen the ex-wife. Do we know what the ex-wife is, people? And she's going to teach us about the ex-wife a little bit. Do you know what the ex-wife is? Oh, Josh doesn't know. I'm shocked. So, Simone, teach us about the ex-wife and tell us when we're getting it back. 
you're never getting it back. I'll start with that. Oh, Son of a gun. Well, it is an ex-wife, so... Son of a gun. <laughs> um, it's a body tempering role, I think is the technical term. It's basically a big steamroller. You lay on your stomach, typically, unless you're a you know, like hammer. Um, and you just get steamrolled by it. It's like aggressive foam roll. Um, and How heavy is it? It's 135 pounds. Um, it'll get all the cracks out of your back. Uh, gets all the sore spots feeling right, so that's good. And so, so we're not getting it back, is what we're learning. No, you're not. Getting it back. And is my name still on the one that sits at Quinnipiac? It is. All right, good because I want to make sure, since I give you that gift, that that carries on my, uh, my, my, my legacy, if you will. I need. Uh, the more you use it, it's going to rub off, so you might have to come and visit. And we'll make a road, road trip to Quinnipiac. Shipping up. It's, you realize it's not Boston, right? But that's the closest thing I know. <laughs> Just uh, so you know, uh, CJ bases everything off where the closest brewery is. So do you have breweries near you? Because we're going to come visit, and we're going to lift some weights and do some things. We'll bring Josh with us. He can be, yes. the, he can be the DD. We oh, have a no. Popping up, we actually have one just off of our bike trail. So we go on a little bike ride. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Stop right there. CJ got a bicycle. I hear this. He didn't get a helmet. I tried to get him to get a helmet, and within a week he comes in with his head all banged up because he wrecked his bicycle with no helmet on. I got, I got uh, risky. I like to live my life dangerously. <laughs> Don't we all agree here that he should wear a helmet riding on the streets to work through um, the city? Also, considering um, your level of biking, I feel like it might be a good decision. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> I don't look a gift horse in the mouth. I don't think that's how the saying goes. But Hammer gave me a bike, and on the second day riding, the little lever arm that my foot's supposed it's to be called, attached it's to. It's called a crank arm. Crank it up. Uh, it fell off the bike. So. True story, but it was the bicycle I rode every day, and the crank arm never fell off for me. We, we got a flag coming flag here. On the play. Flag on um, So okay, but- uh, just re- I-, I give things to people. I gave Curtis a book today. I gave you a bicycle. I gave you the ex-wife. You know, I'm a giver. Yeah. That's true. Also, remember the time you rode my bicycle and came back, and both tires were flat, and we had to go get new tires? That's actually a tr- true story. Wide load. Uh, well, here's the other thing. People show up at me, like, show up like I'm supposed to be this expert on fixing all things bicycles. And it's like, Simone shows up. My dad gave me this bike he hasn't ridden in 26 years. It's been in the closet. And actually, I'm going to tell the story real quick. So when I hired Simone, she was moving in. We needed her to start on a Monday. I'll never forget this. We need you here on a Monday. There's like this HR thing. Remember that goofy HR thing they did? And she said, well, I can get in Sunday, um, but you know, I need help getting my stuff into my apartment. I said, okay, well, I'll meet you there. And her apartment was kind of awkward to get to, and it was kind of confusing. And I drive up to it, and I'm looking. I call her, and she's like, "Oh, you're you know you're like a block up the road. It's a little confusing." And I look, and I see these two parent-looking people in a U-Haul, mm-hmm. and they're and I'm like, "Oh, that must be her parents." So I back my car in front of the U-Haul, and as I'm doing, it, I can see the dad being a dad going, "Why?" Well, just throwing his hands in the air and getting very frustrated. This gentleman's blocking him in. And so I walked up to the car, and this gentleman in his white Nikes, cargo shorts, golf shirt with a folded over collar that was stuck in that position. We've all seen the look. 
you know, I knock on a window and I wave and I said, hey. And the best part is I just hang up the phone with Simone. And she's on, her mother is on the phone with Simone yelling at her about where she's lost. So Simone's like, I can hear your voice. I hear my parents' voice. Everyone's lost. And her parents are the ultimate parents. Like, they look like mom and dad. And they are the greatest mom and dad ever. Um, so for Christmas this year, I'm buying your dad some cargo shorts and white Nikes. Love that. I mean, it's it's his look, but they come pre-stained with the green uh, grass toes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, when are we getting mom and dad squad? So I did try that um, a couple years back because I have the Sears barbell that I got when I was eighteen, I think. That's been living in my garage until this quarantine. Um, and my father wanted me to write him a program one time, so I did. I was like, okay, great. So I wrote him out this program, and then. He wasn't happy that it made him extremely hungry. <laughs> so then, well, that's how it works. You burn calories, Dad. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't appreciate that. Uh, well, you know, parents. that's why I exercise. I feel like because it makes me hungry, so I eat. I was gonna quote a great song and say, "Parents just don't understand." Do you want to sing it? <laughs> uh, Simone, change subjects. And I have to bring this up. Uh, big news yesterday: the dude has cancer. Mm. Oh. Did you hear about this? No. Do you know who the dude is? Come on. Yes, you've talked about it a thousand times. You gave Corinne and I a full replay at Juniata about it. I actually walked them to the bar while retelling the story of the dude. The entire story. To, to the point where Corinne and I looked at each other and we were like, it sounds like I don't even understand what he's saying for the, anymore. For the listeners, Corinne's a good friend, strength coach at Louisville. Louisville. Nice, nice young lady, Louisville as I say it. Um, but it, I, I was very upset when I saw this yesterday. It was big news. Um, I know CJ's a big fan. He's pretty shook right now about I've modeled it. my life after him and his teachings. I have nothing to add. I feel like, you know what? Mic drop. I'm going to go home now. I'm out. So now's your chance, uh, since you were at G-Dub with this myth, uh, you got to tell some stories now. Time to roast him. Put him on the clock. You got to have a couple good hammer stories in there. Clean stories. Well, you know, it is, uh, we have editing devices here. <laughs> we are live Why? on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say, cover your ears. Good thing no one listens. I think the um, classic hammer stuff, which you probably deal with now too, is he's very much like, if he gets an idea in his head, it's happening that second. So like the amount of times we just moved a Versa Climber across City. Over we did different. move a Versa climber across the city a few times. That's a fact. The time it was from the tsunami bar across the city with 25 pounds on each side, and then you couldn't move your shoulders for a week. I did move a tsunami bar four blocks through D.C., but it was necessary. We were doing science. For the fans that don't know what a tsunami bar is, it's that James Harrison whippy bar that he uses. It flies all around. But the funny part about that bar is that bar was invented... I got one I don't know, seven years ago or something, and then James Harrison goes on the, the Instagrams, the, the YouTube Instagrams, and he makes the tsunami bar famous. And everyone's texting me like, "Hey, you ever gonna get one of these bars?" I'm like, <laughs> "Once James Harrison has something, all of a sudden everyone has to." You know, James Harrison has it. But moral story, I agree with you, Simone. At times, strengths and weaknesses. We talk about this all the time, right, CJ? Nope. I'm, I'm okay with my, my... As our last viewer, or what? Well, who would he be? Guest? Guest. He said, earn your weaknesses, bub. What? He didn't say bub. 
but he said earned your weaknesses. All right, so back to my point. We all have weaknesses, and yes, I do sometimes just say, hey, I have an idea. Let's make it happen. Let's do it. Um, the problem I have now, Simone, is you were my tempering device, if you will. You would temper the uh, the attitude. And now I have CJ room for me, so I say, let's do this, and CJ goes, I got the beer. Let's turn it up. So here we are. We got we got some video of James Harrison making the tsunami bar famous right here. Make tsunami bars great again. <laughs> so for the uninformed about the tsunami bar, it's just fun. Uh, invented by a former strength coach at Clemson. Um, I enjoy them. I don't know if they really make a big difference. They're just fun. They look terrifying. They're fun. Mm-hmm. But. Um, they're good when I was trying to work on bench press of not bouncing off my chest. Like you have to like control it or you go through the whip but like it actually did help for me to actually learn how to not bounce bounce i actually when we threw the bands on i thought it helped me well as you put the because when you put the bands on the tsunami bar at first i thought it was gonna be stupid because it's gonna take the whip out but it reduced the whip so much that it didn't throw heave it that inch or two off your chest so you still had to flex it off your chest so i actually liked it once i put the bands on it i actually thought it helped my bench a lot so, that, I mean, that was a plus for me on the Tsunami Bar. Um, that being said, I don't think it's the greatest thing ever. Um, but like I did say, Simone, the problem is I am, have lost control now that you, you know, since you don't work for me anymore, and CJ does. Because like I said, when I have a stupid idea, instead of Simone going, stop it, I have CJ going, let's roll. It's just a punk rock show here. We're just moshing all day. <laughs> so, what other things do you have? What piece of advice kind of information would you share with us you you the world's listening we have tens of thousands of listeners okay scores of listeners <laughs> six or seven <laughs> educate us give us if you say you know one or three things that matter to you uh, a couple things that matter to me are we saying like as a coach life coach as a simone as a simone um well, a couple of things that I definitely think are important are kind of like modeling your your life as to what you're trying to get out of uh, maybe your career or your athletes as well. Like I think it's important to kind of walk the walk as well as talk the talk. Like if you don't train, uh, but you're training athletes and you're telling them how to do something, but you can't pick something up. Like that seems kind of problematic to me. So I think it's really important to be able to balance things both ways that way. So can I dive in there real quick? Yes, let's hear it. So these Squattober punks, <laughs> apparently, <laughs> so we're in, we're strength coaches and we're in. And strength coaches famously say, you got to be mentally tough and grind it out. And whatever comes out, you're going to fight it out. How many Punk Settle down. Strength coaches have dropped out of Squatober, and if they have, they can never call anyone mentally weak again. What's your thoughts? Give me something. You know what? I would almost say that the worst ones are the ones who are still doing Squatober, however, have modified it and are like not leg press. Thing. Hmm? On the leg press. Yeah, things who, like that. Who, no, 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 no. I've seen a story about. Leg press is the most challenging exercise a man could face. We will get into that one off air. <laughs> yeah, we will. Um, I, I think CJ's point, let me talk him off the edge here because he's pretty passionate about this point. Bumped is, up. Is, as he saw people dropping out squat over, it's not that hard. It's not hard at um, 
And and recently, I had uh, I was able to have coffee with a friend of mine who's an Army Ranger and was in a training in West Virginia for a month. And when I picked him up from his training, he had cuts all over his body and he's bloody and he had flip flops on because he couldn't put shoes on. And he just went through basically the worst training you go through for 30 days. And um, he's telling me about it and climbing down these cliffs in West Virginia and and just the chaos that they go through in their training and i said you know i actually one of my pet peeves of strength conditioning is that that attitude that oh you know i'm so tough and it's really not that hard um a couple sets of squats it that's the bare minimum like showing up and doing like today's workout was three sets five squat like you're not a warrior yeah on the third set i was like i really don't feel like going down but i'm also not going to be soft so i'm going to go down and stand up um and and probably my biggest pet peeve in strength conditioning is that is that you know attitude of we're warriors you're not warriors you're a strength coach and it frustrates me about your profession and me and cj as outsiders can say that you people peace coaches I would add to that in that I think uh, a lot of times they talk about how strength coaches uh, you need to say yes to everything. You have to do everything people ask of you and they say that. And I think then your schedule just gets out of control and you're no longer really living life at that point. So I think it's important to know when to say no and when to not. Um, Sorry, yeah. CJ is looking at me weird as you speak, but I, I no, I agree 100%. And, and you know, it's funny. Let me add to what you're saying because I think it's important that. Um, strength coaches, the, one of the reasons you see a lot of people get out as they age is because of that. They can't say no. And me and you had this conversation. One day you'll admit you were wrong. Um, you agreed to do something which I thought was silly. And I kept saying, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And you're like, no, well, you know, it's for the kids. It's for the kids. And I'm like, Simone, but it, how's it going to help you? Is it really going to make a difference in the long run? And we sat there over many a beer and had many debates and and I always said one day you'll admit I was right. So is that today? Cycles back to the whole getting to know your athletes. Okay. Get a buy-in, and let's be honest, volleyball loved me after that, so I got a lot more out of them. I agree, but you have softened your stance, and so I'm about two years from you saying the words I love to hear. Hammer, you're right. I don't know if I will ever say these words. I might find a way to say you weren't off. We're going to bring you back on the show. Today it's October 21st, 2020. On October 21st, 2022, when we're sitting here, we're going to bring you back on the show. All gray and wrinkly. I'll be bald. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, she's like 24 years old or something. It's okay. What are you, 22? Um, I know you're 25 or 6 now. You're old. I'm an adult. Um... But uh, I, we're gonna bring you on just so my ego can have a boost. So, um, being an adult, I would like to let you know that I bought my first couch this weekend. So I got rid of that green nasty one that we moved into my apartment the last time. So I'm a real adult now. You're not. You drive a jeep. That's wrong with a jeep, man. Car. That's a big adult. My son's movie. seven. He loves jeeps. They're kind of children's cars. Do you have a jeep, Josh? Josh is making a face like there's Ford something. Ford Bronco. Well, that's even cooler. Ford than Bronco. That's an OJ mobile, man. Yeah. Give me a I Ford Bronco. I, you guys are too young to know who OJ Simpson was. False. <laughs> well, Simone, I want to thank you for coming on our show, rocking and rolling with us like a Meg the Stallion concert with openers of Hate Breed and System of a Down. Yeah, I'm definitely Surge. <laughs> it's true. 
Simone's the furthest thing from Meg as there is on earth. But thank you for coming on. We appreciate it. I'm sorry? But I wish I had more Meg in my blood, but you can be as you wish yes hey well thank you for your time Simone we, we love you sister make course, train coaches train again always adios thank you guys and we out it's like the newscasters when they talk after the news